Welcome to A Fruitful Life, a podcast featuring the teaching ministry of Rick Clendenin, Benton, Kentucky. And now, A Fruitful Life. Hello, and welcome to A Fruitful Life with Rick Clendenin. Today, Brother Rick continues Session 4 of the four-part Warriors and Warfare series. This lesson is entitled, Raising Future Warriors. On the last broadcast, Brother Rick asked his wife Debbie to come forward and read his text found in Judges chapter 8, verses 23 through 35. Then he told us about the five levels of ministry and two of three things that Gideon did or did not do. On this broadcast, he brings us the third and teaches us the five qualities of Gideon's reluctance. He'll conclude today's session by bringing us the second of the three types of leaders, Abimelech, a rebellious leader. He asks his wife Debbie once again to come forward and read a portion of Judges chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. And now, here's Brother Rick. I remember when I left home, my daddy said to me, you got $64 in your pocket. My dad was a pretty solid kind of a tough guy. He said to me, I graduated. He looked me in the eye. He said, son, you got $64. That was $64 more than I had. Tomorrow you're leaving. I was 17. I said, where am I going? He said, I don't know. You're just not staying here. Time for you to get out and make a living, boy. <laughs> you know what I thought to myself? I'm leaving. And I don't even know where I'm going. People say, well, boy, that's pretty tough, ain't it? Hey, you eventually got to tell them to leave. Some people wait till they're 70, but he run me out of 17. But how many of you know you still going to have to face the world? Eh? You know what he said to me? He said, I started with nothing, started in coal mine when I was 15. Helped my daddy fill up a 10-ton car they pulled out with a mule. And he said, let me tell you something. I took half the bills of the house. He said, I'm not asking you, man. Your mammy ain't wanting you to send us nothing back. You on your own. How many of you know we don't do that anymore? <laughs> Lord, that's me. That's what I thought, too. That's me. But how many of you know a mosquito don't get a pat on the back till he goes to work? You're going to have to do something with your life. You just well teach somebody how to work. He set a snare for his people, and they all gathered around hoping to get that robe. Are you listening? Well, listen now. We can destroy our generations with our greed. We have. You're right. I didn't tell you to be popular. I just told you I'd be preaching. Let's look at the third thing here. He mistook temporary peace for permanent victory. Because he lived 40 years in peace, he thought he had won the war when all he'd won was a battle. Listen, don't mistake peace for victory. Well, things are going all right right now. Well, let me tell you something. It's going to be a different world for my grandbaby. So you're listening, and I better prepare them to war. If I don't, they're going to be casualties of war man how the world's changed since i was a boy back in the 1800s how many of you know it's changing and what is it going to be for our grandbabies when they grow up i didn't even think about that and if we don't prepare them to know how to survive how to work how to believe how to war our peace will become their destruction number four Gideon said neither his 
he nor his sons would be king. But you know what he named his boy? He named his boy Abimelech. You know what his name means? My father's king. Every time he called Abimelech's name, he was saying, yep, I'm the king. I'm the king. Got my robe. See my robe? I don't have any responsibility. I just got my robe. <laughs> Boy, you give people the royalty without the responsibility, and they'll lose the royalty and disrespect what it took to get it. Wow, man, that's a tough word, ain't it? My father's king, my father's king, though he had turned down the responsibility. How many of you know that's why our world's so positionally minded? I get so sick and tired. Can I just crawl up on a soapbox a minute? Y'all might have already thought I've been up there for the last 20 minutes. But let me just share with you something that really bothers me. It bothers me when people are more interested in position than they are in function. And I get so sick of shaking people's hand and their business card looks like a poster board and they tell me how important they are with 14 titles that mean nothing. Do you understand the kingdom of God. He's not passing out titles. He's passing out towels for you to serve him. And it's nothing of who you claim to be. Somebody, I'm apostle this. I'm the high honorable, whatever. That's why people said to me, what do we need to call you? Rick would be fine. They call Jesus, Jesus. Call Paul, Paul. Listen, Rick do. You don't have to call me anything. I get tickled how people don't even know how to relate to you without some kind of title. Got a guy, man, and, and I remember when he first called me, called me on the phone. First of all, he called me, Heather, he said, hello, Reverend Clinton. And I thought, man, I lie. I didn't know I was that important. Reverend Clinton. <laughs> See, I, I knew he didn't know me well because people's changed from calling me Reverend to calling me Neverend. It's kind of like Reverend. But anyway, because <clears throat> I preach on forever, but you'll get it on the way home. But anyway, let, let me explain to you. Next time he called me, he said, uh, Brother Clinton, I'd, I'd lost some ground or gained some. I don't know which one. I, I was no longer reverend. It's sad. It's sad. It's sad day. Then I, he called me next time. He said, Pastor. Huh. Pastor. Can I tell you the last phone call? He said, Bishop. Hey. Bishop, I'm a bishop now. Y'all better treat me with some respect. I'm a bishop. <laughs> Why am I going over all this? Because nothing makes you that. A title, somebody calling you something don't make you that. I can lay hands on under. Thou art brain surgeon. Anybody want to sign up for surgery in the morning and let him operate on your head? No, no, because see, calling somebody something don't make them something, and not calling them don't take it away. I wasn't aiming on going there. Let's go to number five. I'm going to find something y'all like tonight. We got to fail. We have failed to train future warriors, and Kidding never trained them how to war. He just won one victory and sat down. Boy, I know a lot of people like that in the church. Talk about what God did back in the 60s. Boy, God moved in my life back in the 30s. Their theme song is Precious Memories because they've not walked with the Lord since the day they sat down. Are you hearing me? And he has something new for me today. That's why I live, move, and have my being. 
He failed. Let's, let's look at what causes reluctant leadership. I want to give you some principles here. We got to move along. Y'all got to listen faster. Qualities of a reluctant leader. Number one, they judge a situation through their, of the present through the eyes of the past. The reason they're reluctant to lead is because they've had some kind of backset sometime in their life. They're afraid. They're afraid to lead anybody. Because they're going to make some mistakes. And see, nowadays you can't make a mistake, you know. We can't let a person make a mistake. Number two, they allow personal problems to affect public leadership or policy. His personal life was holding him back. That's what we talked about Sunday night from really having a public influence that God had called him to have. Number three. He was directly responsible for the downfall of Israel. Though he died in peace, wearing a robe, thinking he's somebody, Bob. But when it all traces back to Judges 17, 6, 18, 1, 19, 1, 21, and 25, he was the guy that abdicated his responsibility. Listen to me. If you don't lead, if you don't lead, what a scary thought. If I don't lead. Number four, the big problem is he didn't understand Genesis 1, 12. Everything produces after its kind. See, if you're a reluctant leader, you know what you're going to raise up? You're going to raise up a bunch of little reluctant people afraid to do anything in the world. Yeah. And people scared to move. <laughs> Afraid to try anything because they just might fail. Abraham Lincoln, if you read his life, he has many times the failures he did the successes. Successful people are not people that's never failed. They're people that never quit. There's a great big difference. <laughs> you, you start looking backwards all the time, and we talked about that, and you'll end up reducing your life to a very, very small piece of life. Because you'll be scared. You'll rehearse every pain, every failure. I won't re-preach that, but you can get it on Sunday night's message. Listen to me. Look at what he's doing now. Let's go another. He died without a successor. You know what it did? It created chaos. Did you know David almost did the same thing? Absalom had already stood against David, and David was dying. And his wife walked in and said, are you planning on Solomon being your successor? And he said, yeah. She said, well, you better rear up and use your last bit of strength and put your crown on his head and run him downtown because Adonijah is already planning a takeover. Listen, if you don't leave a successor, you create anarchy. You better leave somebody to take your place. I've ministered to thousands of people, thousands and thousands of leaders in 42 different nations. But let me explain to you, I have poured my life into a handful that will take my place. And they're already the president of our ministry. They're already the leaders. It's not something that's going to happen someday. It's happened while I can coach them, Teresa, on how to do it right now. I've taken them all over the world so that they would know how to do it. And they're doing it now. Because I don't plan to die with myself. I plan to live after I'm dead through the lives of those I've raised up, through those that are my successors. This is how you can determine 
whether a man's life was in vain or whether it had credibility, whether the generations to come long after their death still declare the gospel. Do you understand that that's what the book of Hebrews chapter 12 is about? Not listing all the heroes of faith, but listing one statement, though they're dead, yet they speaketh because of what they did went on after them. And we must realize we've got to focus our attention on those that will be our successors. But there's reluctant leaders. Now, let's go a little farther and look at what happened after Gideon died because I want Deb to pick up reading in chapter 9, verse 1. And we're going to read about a couple more leaders before we close. Judges 9, 1 through 6. And Abimelech, the son of Jerubbaal, went to Shechem unto his mother's brethren, and communed with them and with all the family of the house of his mother's father, saying, Speak, I pray you, the ears to the ears of all the men of Shechem, whether is better for you, either that all the sons of Jeroboam, which are threescore and ten persons, reign over you, or that one reign over you. Remember also that I am your blood, your bone and your flesh. And his mother's brethren spake of him in the ears of all the men of Shechem, all these words. And their hearts inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, He is our brother. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast from A Fruitful Life. We hope that you'll tell your friends and family about the podcast. And if you like, join us on social media by liking our AFL Facebook page or by following Brother Rick's posts on Twitter. You can also find us on the web at afruitfullife.org. A Fruitful Life is the radio and media ministry of Rick and Debbie Clendenin, Benton, Kentucky. You may find out more about Brother Rick's life and legacy by visiting our website. Once again, that's a fruitfullife.org. Thanks for listening.